0: This is a warning to all living mortals, that on the 13th of December, Moose will release 13 of the most terrifying interviews of horror unto the world. That's right, 13 brand new episodes in the month of December, leading up to our season premiere, and until then, horror hounds, mash on. On the fourth day of Christmas Horrorcore artist, comatose. Welcome, horror hounds, to another installment of Moose's Thirteen Horrifying Days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver, gift giver, Moose. And today's gift is the gift of music not just any music we're we're diving into the realm of horror core and to do that i could think of no one better than a good friend and local uh knockout comatose that's me so
1: how you doing brother I'm not doing too bad uh, considering both of us are kind of under the weather a little bit uh,
0: we're, we're all right before we get into uh the music you know yeah, seeing you perform horrors obviously the uh influences there what uh what is your like favorite horror movie
1: Well I mean that's always an evolving uh, question currently uh, I'm a big fan of Ari Aster's work uh, I love hereditary uh midsummer something strange about the Johnsons. Um, Some of his more, he doesn't always do horror, but even his non-horror movies are pretty good. But uh, those right now, and then I just saw Terrifier 2 last weekend. That was probably my champion for the Halloween season. Um, I haven't seen Barbarian yet, but uh, it's definitely on the docket. Hopefully I can see that this weekend or next uh, here at home, because, you know, it's already out of theaters. You don't see something in the first
0: week or two and it's gone. Right. Hereditary and and *Midsummer* are kind of at the upper echelon. What got you interested in like horror in the first place because like you're a uh, stage persona and just set is just very uh elaborate like it it's a very theat almost theatrical performance
1: well, thank you. Um, I have been probably an avid horror movie fan since about four years of age. Um, one of my core memories as a kid is uh, being babysat by somebody. I don't know who the fuck it was, but... Uh, oh, can we curse on here, by the way? Yes. Okay. So I don't know who the fuck it was, but uh, I remember this hand grabbing around a tree, and the hand was all gnarly and mangled. And I'm like, what the fuck? And that, like, this, this memory always haunted me. And then I remember another memory as a kid seeing this bloody foot or boot in the middle of, like, New York streets. I'm like, what the you know, I couldn't shake these images out of my out of my mind and then fast forward to where I'm about 36, 37, and of course, on you know, the Internet and Indiana Jones spelunking on the Internet. I started Googling this stuff and come to find out, like, these memories are from, from uh, Madman Mars, which was made in, like, 83 or 82, and then the movie Q, which is short for Quetzalcoatl. Which is this big creature feature movie of this big giant bird that lives at the top of a high rise. It's kinda of like a reptilian bird creature that kills all these people. It's in like New York. Uh but besides that, like the first movie I remember seeing seeing would be Halloween three. Uh, that movie fucked me up because I was a kid and I like to go trick-or-treat and I like to wear masks. And uh wearing masks of course is gonna melt your face and have bugs and snakes come out of it. Yeah, something that's always kind of traumatized me as a kid, but I always found kind of interesting, and uh, just kind of grew up on that. After that, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, all that stuff. As a young five to six to seven year old, just kind of
0: was always brought up in it. Well, and that's it's really the fun part about like horror and horror movies is like it's, and I say fun in that like people look at me like I'm weird, sense, but that. you know, you, you, you latch on to those, well, like you said, those, like, super scary uh, memories. Yeah, something that just sticks with you over the years. You know, and, like... Yeah, I, I've talked about it on the show before, but, like, the the one that got me into uh, horror was uh, Nosferatu. The
1: 1921?
0: Yeah, like the old black the and white, black. super silent. Yeah. yeah. That's and awesome. it was... And the reason I bring this up is, you know, you were talking about that mangled hand coming around the, uh, uh, tree, the, 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 uh, image that like whenever I'm thinking like horror movies or just like classic shots, it's, it's that image of his hand and just the shadows just coming out, you know, and it's just like, Oh shit. Like that was one of the first images that ever just like sat with me
1: yeah Carl orlock got them gangly nasty fingers right so I totally get it right right
0: you know, and you know, as a kid you know having having that sit with you for you know now we're going on you know thirty some years uh, that's pretty impressive
1: yeah for sure same same the same exact deal I just those things are just etched into my fucking psyche for the rest of my life
0: that all transformed into you going into Horrorcore for music. Did you try other stuff first, or is just this is the music route I want to take?
1: Well, I've always been a fan of of, of hip hop as a kid. Uh, I grew up on DJ Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince, Kid and Play, Young MC, shit like that, Run DMC. And I was never like, okay, well, this isn't my thing. Like, I mean, I shouldn't be allowed to relate to their stories and stuff. So I loved horror movies, and I thought I was being original. Other than listening to DJ Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince Nightmare in My Street, I was like, this is actually a thing. You can blend horror movies and rap music together. It's fucking sweet. So, ever since like, I want to say about sixth or seventh grade, I started writing my own horror raps. They were, of course, very terrible and juvenile. But it was something I thought I was an innovator of that I was creating this new type of music, other than. Uh, Nightmare on My Street, other than uh, Bushwick Bill's uh, Child's Play, uh, you know, I thought these were like super cool, and I could turn this into a whole thing. And you know, as I got older and got a job, and you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy a karaoke machine, record my shit on a uh, cheap microphone and a mixer and stuff, and I'll make my own raps, and it'll be awesome, and everyone will love me. It, it took a long time, <laughs> but yeah. That's kind of how I got started. It's just I always thought I was my own avenue, my own lane. And then when I turned sixteen or seventeen, someone saw me writing raps. and am like, Oh, what are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, Well, I'm, you know, writing these raps and stuff. They're like, Oh, you're a rapper. I'm like, Eh, kind of. And they wanted to read it, and uh, they read the lyrics and they're like, This reminds me of ICP, you know, I see who and they're like, Well, I'll bring you this tape tomorrow. Uh, I was working at Piccolos down in South Omaha. And uh, Billy Panalis is his dude's name, and he brought me a cassette dub of Box, and I listened to it, and I'm like, holy shit, this is, like, a real genre. I am not alone in the world. I need to do this. So after, you know, my own inspiration and then actually finding out it's a real thing, I was like, Oh full bore. This is, I'm going to do this. This is my avenue. This is my lane. Let's fuck it.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I really like about the genre is, like, it, it kind of came into prominence around, like, the late 80s, but then really hit a boom in, like, like like you said, I, I think, honestly, ICP is probably the most recognized, you know, brand. For sure.
1: And when people are like, oh, so what type of rap do you do? And I explain it. They're like, oh, like ICP. I'm like, mm, not really. It's not like fun good time trying to make you laugh as well as for more like uh, definitely uh, Dario Argento or, or uh, Stephen King I'm definitely trying to bring a more serious side painting these atmospheres and landscapes and stories and stuff not well, and, necessarily trying to make you laugh
0: and go oh that's funny uh, Saying, like I said very theatrical you, you exactly. have a very uh, and over and I use over the top but like in a good way uh just song style and just performance i mean from the uh f- from your on-stage persona to the songs to everything that takes place on stage like it- it's an atmosphere that you bring
1: thank you i mean i i've been in the, the rap game probably like putting myself out there for real that so was probably about 22 now I'm 43, so I always think to myself, you know, um, what do I want to see on stage? There's there's rap. Unfortunately, is very much either the person's a plant on the stage and they just kind of look left, look right, or they're just pacing back and forth. I mean, pacing back and forth, cool. Everybody does it on stage, but let's give somebody something to look at. Let's give them something to interact with. Let's give them some mystery, some mystique. You know, I don't know how many other shows you've seen. Other than the one where I was at Twisted, but I do have a complete live interaction uh, visual that goes behind me, which I couldn't implement because.
0: Let's say Twisted I caught the couple. one
1: at uh, Four Winds as well. Yeah, so you you have seen it, so yeah. you've seen the full show. So I just want to entertain, give people spectacle, and something to remember, because you know that's another reason why people are like, well, why do you wear the mask on stage? I'm like, well, if you came out to a show and you saw five or six rappers you're going to remember all the guys who look the same, or are you going to remember that one pumpkin guy who stood out and was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, you got to create that. Everyone is selling cookies, but what makes your cookies separate and special from everybody else's? so I I had attacked this whole thing with the philosophy of trying to stand out and make yourself memorable and entertain and actually put on a fucking show.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's along the same lines of what like ICP and twisted ABK and, all those guys did with the face paint you know they could go out as themselves but But at the end of the day (laughs) yeah are they gonna stand out you know i mean you guys are in this uh fledgling genre that is like mired with controversy
1: yeah
0: and end of the day You have to have that, uh, you know, that that one element that just says, yep, that's what I'm latching on to. That's, you know, because like you said, you know, you'll see like five or six. Who's going to stand out? Well, the the guy in the mask, the guy in the face paint, you know. I mean, we can, you know just look at like okay four wins and listeners for those who don't know it was this big music festival tons of acts and I mean you were one of what 30 acts yeah it's a good estimate and you stood the fuck out out of 30 I mean I I remember a couple others but that's because I know them outside of that I don't remember who all was there (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well mission accomplished and philosophy in full effect
0: Yeah, you know, because yeah you just you know like you said what you bring to the stage is you know, memories you know you have right. that standout effect thank you so now i've seen two different styles of uh stage show what goes into uh like when you're setting up you know when you're laying out your uh, stage show, what all uh, do you uh, think about Like when you're putting on that performance?
1: It's always evolving. Um, one of my, another philosophy that I kind of follow is, uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of pro wrestling, but I kind of grew up on that as well. Yes. Um, I've listened to a lot of interviews and, and tell-alls and, and uh, what do they call them? Um, the ones where they break kayfabe.
0: Oh, they the uh, like the, the, the backstage... Uh, the, uh, the shoot like interviews, sorry. Yeah, the <laughs> That's what I'm looking yeah. for, the
1: shoot interviews. Uh, my brain isn't working either. Um, the shoot interviews, I listen to a bunch of successful wrestlers, and they always come back to the same thing. You need to take something that has happened before, make it your own, and mix it together. Take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, and a little bit from over here, do your own spin on it, and put it all together. It's kind of always how I'm looking at performing um, I always want to grab a little bit of that, a little bit of this put it on my show. It's never like a, a thought of, hey, I, uh, this is my show now and this is what I'm going to do. It's always like, oh, that would be cool to do that on stage put that on the show. Oh, that would be cool let's do that and put that on the show. It's like a long long time ago I saw MC Lars with his uh, projector and that's kind of where I got the idea. Like, oh, this is cool, he's intermixing live visuals and that was probably 10 years ago and I just you know, bought my first projector like Three years ago, so it's always like a process, I and mean, it's you know I'm an independent person, so it's all my money, and I still have a nine to five, just like most you know of, of our locals do. So it's not like I have a disposable income to to put six seven thousand dollars into a stage show. It's like okay, well now I've got nine hundred bucks saved up, let's go get that projector. Now I've got three hundred bucks saved up, let's go buy this cool ass pumpkin. Now I've got this money saved up, let's invest in a costume stuff like that. My I've had a a plethora of masks and my masks start at about 250 and I've spent all the way up to 700 on a mask before. My pumpkin staff that you saw at the Four Winds, that was a $350 piece. It's just, it's always evolving. It's always like, oh, this is cool. Let's add that. Oh, this is cool. Let's add that. So it's never like a a game plan. It's more just like a clusterfuck of of ideas I want to see on stage and it ends up turning out the way it turns out. So it's always evolving.
0: Nice. And so I I had mentioned that this genre is mired in controversy, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Sure. And you hear about it a lot in rap in general, where you know, oh, it promotes violence, it you know promotes gangs and stuff like that. But like critics have really hammered down on like the horrorcore fans, uh, on and horrorcore artists for like promoting gang violence, and stuff like this. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Weak-minded people can be swayed easily. I mean, it's not my fault that uh, someone's going to pick up a a knife and cut someone's finger off, or someone's going to go out and hammer people in the back of the head. It's because those people weren't brought up right. It has nothing to do with me. I mean, works of literature for horror have been in existence since the 1200s, you know, 1200 B.C., they've been around for a long time horror and, and gruesome it's just my media is more i guess accessible you know music is a is a, a thing that most people enjoy 99 percent of the world so the fact that you know it's so easily consumable and digestible in that type of form you know a book takes uh discipline to get through uh, and it's no different than horror movies i mean there's been people who have blamed horror movies for shit there's people who Blame the, the only people who don't get blame is the news, and the news is on every night. Right, so the news is, is is real horror, and I, you know, based probably a good twenty songs off of uh, real life atrocities. You know, I've done a song on uh, one or ten one hundred ten California, which is the address to Von uh, Mar. I, I did a song. I didn't publicize it. I didn't uh, glorify it. I tried to put you in the foot in the mind frame of kid who did it like why would someone go do this and I did a lot of research on the kid who did it and he was you know built a real shitty hand and was bounced around to foster homes you know he, he had a real fucking terrible life like I get it I'm not trying to, to glorify I'm trying to have you understand and sympathize and see what would push a person to do something like that and there's another story like over in I don't want to say Altoona Iowa somewhere around there where this couple left a baby to die, and it's, you know, uh, Greco swing. And they just left it in there for like three weeks. Not, didn't feed it, didn't change it. They just died. And the cops walked in there, and they said they found maggots on the baby's head and its diaper. And I'm like, fucking people are insane. Like, how could you do that? You know, I, I wrote a song about that, and I wrote it from the baby's perspective. I'm like, I'm trapped, and, and you don't know it's a baby until like the end of the second verse. It's basically it sounds like the person in prison being confined against their will come to find out you know like the course goes swing back and forth blah 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 so holy shit this is a baby in a swing that can't get out you know people are fucked up way more fucked up than any of this entertainment that i make this is now i do this music because if i had disposable income and a a team of 60 people i would rather make movies but uh, making music is can be a one-man affair so it's just easier this way for me but yeah, horror horror in, in general and the atrocities of the land as we can walk of the planet, just the fact that I choose it as a form of expression or a release of anger is not my problem. Other people want to uh, do these things in real life. That's, that's upbringing, that's mental health, that's finding proper channels to let these problems go. Uh, I'm not here to police the world and neither should anyone else.
0: Yeah, It is interesting that horror seems to get you know, it seems to be like the scapegoat for yeah. that damn rock and roll music, you know, Yeah, rock and roll, horror, all of it. You know, it's, yeah, you know, that's pretty much where horror is now. It's like, that's the, that's the scapegoat as to why people do this, the shit they do. And it's like, no, there, there's more to it than that. Right. They'll look at uh, oh, what was this guy's home life? Like, oh, he had a uh,
1: terrifier on his shelf. So it's terrifier to blame oh, this person played Grand Theft Auto, so it's Grand Theft Auto's problem. So, no, you're pointing the finger at not the problem, you're pointing the finger at the scapegoat. The problem is, why did this kid do this? Where was he from? What was his home life like? You know, it's way more complicated than just pointing the finger at
0: entertainment mediums. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it's anything that's going to change in no, probably our left. lifetime. I doubt it. Yeah, and it's a shame, because like yeah I, I don't know if you've had any run-ins with it but you know for the most part you're kind of flying under the radar since you are like a local indie guy
1: yeah i mean the cool thing is i mean i don't know how much you you've dug into my past i i've gone on tour yeah i, I sell merch across seas i mean I'm, I'm kind of like not in omaha i'm not a big deal but like outside of omaha i'm a big deal I've done shows in, in, in Dallas and I've had the you know room of 107 people sing my songs out of the PA. It's like, why can't I get this at home?
0: Because Omaha so, I mean, is it, a tough nut to crack.
1: It is. And, you know, it, and my opinion is if you're in the rap game in Omaha, you, you are handicapped. Uh, it, 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 Omaha is way more an indie rock town than it is any type of hip hop or rap town.
0: Yeah, no, I, I could totally see that.
1: So, yeah, it, it's it's just... And my observation of living here since my, this is my hometown since forever.
0: And yeah, I was going to ask like, as you tour, like what, what's been like your favorite or like most memorable show you've done?
1: It had been a, the the Dallas show or my show in Indiana for a different reason. Uh, the Dallas show is because I'm like, all right, I'm a boy from Omaha, or young man, boy, whatever the fuck you want to call me. Uh, I've never played here once in my life. I go down there for this, uh, show called death fest had a bunch of uh heavyweights there i get on stage do my thing and i'm singing like my first song and like everybody in the audience is singing along i'm like what what excuse me what how is this (laughs) happening this is fucking amazing i like i i legit like i was on my third or fourth bar on the song and i was so overwhelmed with the motion i dropped my microphone and just started laughing because i could not believe this was happening i'm like i don't live in dallas what the fuck is going on here so, you know, I composed myself, got it back together, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. I really am reaching people. And then my other favorite memory is a show I did in Indiana. We were, I was on Carl's Tavern, kind of relatively underground famous. Um, we get back and the show's done. Some lady shows up to the hotel room that's not mine, but she's, of course, looking for the tour to party with us and whatnot. I'm like, I'm going the fucking bed. Fuck all this shit. <laughs> so she goes and fucks with like the guys who bought onto the tour. She goes, she's causing like a big fuckus and like uh, the tour support, which is uh, Aaron Romero, Molasses Malone. So they were getting into shit. i are like, get the fuck out of here, you know, blah, 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 and yakky, And I guess they're creating so much of a ruckus that the cops got called off. I was passed out by the time sleeping in my bed. And my homeboy Aaron Romero had. Mad weed on him I'm talking like You're going to federal prison Type (laughs) mad weed on him So he found out The cops were called He throws All the weed In the toilet Right The cops Did not come To His Uh Room But he flushed it And he's fucking Flipping out And the weed's not going down So he's taking the weed Out of the toilet And sneaked it (laughs) (laughs) Oh I was told the story And I laughed For like hours from we we're going from indiana to i believe it was wisconsin and the whole ride dude i just like did you brush your teeth this morning <laughs> She <Should> takes some <laughs> should take some dentine <laughs> dude it was so funny i've oh uh, that, that's a core memory that, that'll stick with me forever eating toilet weed
0: <laughs> it's a step below smoking ditch weed yeah,
1: no. <laughs> yeah i think it's way below smoking <laughs> dishes. first of all it's a hotel toilet first of all it's a ho- or second of all it's a hotel in indiana toilet like ugh. rough
0: that, that oh
1: yeah yeah i mean made lots of fun memories of the road but those are definitely two of my my bigger ones
0: so if you could tour with uh like any artist, who would you pick? Uh, easy. That's like
1: my personal childhood hero, oh, the hell one yeah. who first taught me that music can be dangerous and music can be uh, anti-whatever the fuck you want and you're allowed to offend people and you're allowed to say whatever you want. Like My uncle played me uh, Easy 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 Does It when I was probably eight or nine and I thought it was just the coolest music and then I became a fan from then on, like, in 93, 94, right before he passed, or after he passed, he released uh, Straight off the Streets of Motherfucking Compton. And there's, like, he does that whole satanic inner that he's, like, walk backwards to the door with me, praying to the Father. I'm like, holy shit, he's doing horrorcore, this is fucking rad. Right. So I definitely would have been, like, if I am where I am now, and I've actually kind of pondered this, currently, um, I would have definitely hit up easy and been like, alright, what's the collab fee? Because I am interested and I want to do a horror song with you. And I've thought about currently just asking his because his son sounds a lot like him. And I'm sure he's a lot more attainable, but he would have probably costed it or needed. So, that's still kind of something, well, you know, a, a checklist that's attainable, I could definitely probably reach out to a little easy and have him do a little something. But, uh, yeah, it would definitely be easy if I could uh, resurrect the dead. Uh, currently... I would... Actually, my, my dream tour is probably coming up. Uh, I don't want to say nothing about it because it's still it's planned for this coming summer and uh, the, the preliminary work has been done and hopefully it all works out. It's nobody big. It's just someone that's a confidant, someone I've come up with, someone who's been in my house before and he makes his own noise where he's from and uh, just like I do, you know, he can go to different markets. It's not his hometown and packed buildings. So... I'm really excited to hopefully get this cemented early spring. That way we can announce it for the summer. But we started talking about this back in August. He was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. It'd be fucking amazing. So, more info to come as it becomes solid.
0: That, that does uh, bring up an interesting uh, question that I think uh, could be a learning point for listeners. What goes into, like, okay, uh, and. Just because they're like sitting on my table at the moment, I'll I'll use Twisted. Um, Say you wanted to tour with Twisted. What would, what all has to go into like collaborating with them for a tour?
1: Well, that's, it's either one or two things. Either A, you're a buy on, or B, you're making enough noise to where they tap your shoulder. Um, Which I think is neat and kind of shitty at the same time because. I mean, I've had ICP actually shout me out on Twitter. They know who I am. I'm not going to lie. I have this tweet saved on my phone because it's kind of a milestone. Like, right. I came up listening to these dudes. Like, they after I found out the course thing, I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is fucking sweet. So the fact that they actually shouted me out and know who I was, like, I want to know this story. Like, how do you know who I am? <laughs> you know, it, it's fucking wild. So it's either A, they know you, they tap on your shoulder, they hear you're making noise, or B, you just buy on because of the, some people that I have known that are not considered like in, in Horrorcorn I'm considered legendary which is weird because I still work a nine to five and blah 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 people are always like oh Carl Matos is a legend I'm like I still have a job so I'm not that legendary as you think I am but uh, a lot of people who kind of aren't on my level but like the level right below me they've gone on tour really twisted but it's because you know, they contacted George of Alakas bought on the tour they contacted intrinsic and bought on the tours those are your two options either you know, you're making enough noise, or you're putting down two to three grand to go trail their tour. And when you do a buy on, unfortunately, you know that's there. You don't get your guarantee, you don't get your travel reimbursed, you don't get your hotel set up. It's all on you. So it's gonna be when it's all said and done, a six, seven thousand dollar investment. But I mean, you are getting a
0: lot of exposure.
1: But for you know an old man like myself who's got a family and rent to pay, <laughs> I can't afford those type
0: of options. Right, you know, it's one of those, it's like, the exposure and the eyes on the product's really nice, but is it worth the payout?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I were a younger man still doing this and not having a family and shit, sure, I could piss away a couple grand to go do that, that's cool. But, you know, being a responsible adult, can't do that. I'm, I'm spending, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars on stage props so I can be dope
0: wherever I get the
1: chance to be dope.
0: I, I, I think that's more important, honestly. So with everything that you have on stage, like how how difficult is that to travel with? It sucks. <laughs> uh, my 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 staff is like six
1: foot tall, it's almost as tall as I am. I have to break that down. You know, I've got the the three foot pumpkins, those take up a whole trunk space by themselves. Then you've got merch. I've got my two extra guys, I've got the suitcase full of uh costumes, I've got the candy I give out, you know, it's It's a lot. Um, When I go on tour, if I go on tour this summer, I'm definitely going to have to try to downsize some of it and see what I can absolutely do without. Like When I go on tour, I definitely want to try to bring my projector and my projector screen. But I know that's not feasible because that's a lot of real estate and not a lot of venues will have real estate space for that even on stage. So it's going to be kind of a gamble, but I'm going to try my damnedest. But yeah, there's a lot of planning and shit that goes into just even doing shows here. It's like, what am I going to bring? What can I bring? What kind of space is allowed? Like, I've got a show with rehab and boondocks, and I know it's at 1867, and that stage is not that big, and it's diagonal. Like, there's no square space. It's like a, a triangle wedge built into a corner, so I know I can't bring my projector to that. So,
0: Where can listeners, if they don't catch you on tour, get your merch, get your music, yeah, you know, and just kind of keep up with you and everything you have going on.
1: Well, you can just come on over to about 146 in the queue and we can just chop it up in my front yard, have
0: some tea. uh sell you things directly. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, um, you know, I'm everywhere. I don't know. I, I just got this Spotify. image of you standing out in your front yard with like a trench coat. Hey, psst. <laughs> I got the CD, man. You want a CD?
1: Shirt? You want man. a shirt? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Tidal, all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, my website is thecutshop.com. That's c-u-t-t-s-h-o-p.com. Thecutshop.com. If you go to cutshop.com, it's going to take you to some Japanese websites. make sure you put the and cut is two c-u-t-t-s-h-o-p.com. And that's got you know I got hockey jerseys, basketball jerseys, T-shirts, CDs, cassettes, hats, you know the works. I've got the whole shebang. So, if you're interested in that type of stuff, just find me on Spotify or thecotshop.com.
0: Hell yeah. Listeners, I'll put those links in the episode description for easy access. You could find me and other great podcasters over on electronicmediacollective.com. Or, if you just want to follow me and see what all we have going on, head over to Moose Media Inc. on Twitter and Facebook. Do it. Comatose, this has been a blast.
1: Thank you. I, I I enjoy shooting the shit, man.
0: And you know, looking forward to uh seeing your upcoming shows and hopefully the uh catching part of the tour when it comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, uh the he's we've already talked about the work are I'm definitely trying to get a stop here because uh my buddy I don't,
0: he's never played here in Nebraska. So wow. said, you
1: think you can make that happen? I said, I, I, I know a few people. I yeah, can
0: probably make that happen. Right. Should be a lot of fun. And listeners, if you haven't checked them out, by all means, check them out. You're, you're in for one hell of a ride. I'll just throw it out there. Uh, Twitch, t- twitch.tv forward slash cutthroat pro. And again, two T's in cutthroat. Uh, I usually do
1: either retro gaming, you know, from when I grew up, 8-bit, 16-bit shit, or anything that's horror related. Um, I'm a big horror gamer fan, so yeah, if you uh, are so kind, I, I broadcast every Sunday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time, um, but like I said, I haven't been active in the last two months or so just because it's the season, and that's just how life works.
0: Which is the season for money.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to say my, my Halloween scheme this year was, it was pretty profitable, so I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's the benefit of this genre is like this time of year, it should be relatively easy to get the uh, gigs booked <laughs> oh for
1: for sure uh it's definitely my 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 first christmas second christmas is coming and or tax return my first tax return tax <laughs> tax returns right. coming in, in
0: february with love to have you on again sometime we'll just you know oh for sure we can just talk horror <laughs>
1: i'm i'm for it i mean I'm a, I'm a big horror cinephile actually a cinephile in general i'm I, I love film it's one of my favorite things and i made a few short films in my day so Actually, I, let me plug that right quick. Uh, we, I did I do have a, a feature film on Troma now, uh, right now called Foul Uprising that I made with my good buddy Kevin Heesacker. So if you have trauma now, go go leave or go watch it, leave a review. We have one review up there and the the review is short and sweet. It says, This is tight for exclamation marks. <laughs> so it, it, it's the best low budget I, I'm not gonna say low budget, best micro budget movie you could ever see. Nice, and, it, and it's a comedy horror type thing, so it's a lot of
0: fun. Hell yeah! Listeners, check out his music, check out his movie, and come back tomorrow for another uh, installment of the Thirteen Horrifying Days of Christmas. comatose I'll let you get back to your lair And until next time, horror rounds, mash on.